This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Grief Relief Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, it's so great to have you in the studio today because you're usually in New York. And for a special treat, we've got our guest in here today, too. I'm very excited about that. I am, too, and I'm excited to be here. I love being here when our guests are here. And I love being out of the New York weather, so it's wonderful to be in San Francisco today. We've got an interesting story because uh, we have... Well, why don't you introduce it because it's going to be a fascinating show today. Okay, Mom. Today we're going to talk with Dr. K. Paul Stoller. Dr. K. Paul Stoller started his medical career as a pediatrician and currently uses hyperbaric medicine to treat brain-injured children and adults. He is the brief father of Galen, who in 2007, at the age of 16, was killed in a train collision. He is also the editor of a, and writer of a wonderful book called My Life After Life, a post-humous memoir and life chapters. And he's right here in the studio today, and we are going to call him Ken because that is what the K stands for. Hello, Dr. Ken, and welcome. Hello, Beck. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. Now, I am so interested. I, um, You know, we're going to put this on YouTube so people can see pictures of Galen, but I will tell you there's a picture of him, Ken's uh, son Galen, on his book Life After Life. And he, what a doll. What a darling boy. And what an energetic boy. Yeah, you can feel the energy in that picture, Mom. Yeah. You really can. He, he can. He He's here like, with us. And he was a kid that did a lot in his short life, wasn't he, Ken? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I like the cover too. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. No, he was. Uh, he he wanted to be an actor, and uh, he trained uh, assistant dogs, and uh, so he was uh, on a fast track, literally. Um, but uh, uh, our relationship uh, continued after he crossed. So uh, it was it was shocking for me because I always thought we were supposed to be doing something together. And I couldn't figure out, well, how, now it's going to happen. So uh, now we know. He was uh, crossing at a railroad crossing and was hit by a train and it broke his neck and his leg. And you, someone called you up and said he didn't make it. And so, like so many of our listeners, it was that sudden, quick loss. And like it was with my son, Scott, uh, and his cousin who hit a retaining wall and the car blew up and they died so uh all you know we know that sudden quick pain but you had a different experience than many of the rest of us because you had actually worked at one time at ucla in the neuropsychiatric um institute they were doing stuff on parapsychology so you kind of had uh, a thought about that kind of world of parapsychology and after he died you kind of pursued that very quickly right right so i was i was no stranger to uh shall we say the esoteric world and the long now disbanded ucla parapsychology lab which uh, ucla will deny even existed anymore i know stanford had one too uh, they were doing something. Yeah, with Targan put off, and uh, North Carolina had Rhine, and uh, geez, uh, University of Virginia uh, had uh, Ian Stevenson. Not that that was a, a parapsychology lab, but uh, I investigated trans mediums uh, as a volunteer at the parapsychology lab. So um, 
I had a relationship with a lot of uh, good mediums, uh, and and I called I called one that that day. Wow! So the day that Galen died, you called the medium and said what? Just that you would like to communicate with your son, or what? Well, Audrey Wrinkles actually knew Galen, and uh, and so after she stopped crying, uh, uh, she's very unusual in that she's a true trance medium, like Edgar Casey. So she completely goes unconscious, and her guides came through, and uh, uh, was kind of an effort to get in touch with Galen, and the conversation was very confusing because it was literally not in linear time, and it took about two years for me to fully understand everything that had been said in that one moment. Uh, but that's that's how it happened. That's interesting, because after Scott died um, in years ago, and 30 years ago, I had a dream, uh, and your book totally brought this dream back to me in such an understanding because I understood some of the things that Galen talks about, where we will get to how Galen um, communicates with you and you write about it. But um, I saw Scott, he was a baseball player, and I saw him standing in the dream of throwing, a, learning how to move a ball through the air to himself to hit it. And then I said, how are you? But then I realized that it wasn't really talking to him. It was a mind transfer. And he said, I am. And that was it. That was my dream. And and now, 30 years later, it, it is a huge dream. Well, and at the time, I remember you saying that it felt real. It yeah. felt, it didn't feel like other dreams. It felt like you really did have a visitation. Yeah, that you were actually there. And it was a healing dream. And But it was also one that I didn't understand. I didn't understand the I am. But anyway, Galen does talk about the I and, and moving energy and, and talk about how you get that from him. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I, while you were talking, I just uh, flashed to, you know, sometimes I'll wake up and I know I've had... Uh, 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 close contact with him because I just emotionally feel it even though at that moment I won't remember the conversation but I know if I've had one um, so uh, so specifically what did you want me to address how did you so you called her and then you started journaling right right I, so I started journaling you know it was about uh, uh, 10 days before the first contact was made and that was a dream that he got into my subconscious mind and found it was very easy to give me songs. So he started communicating by giving me songs. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the first one was, uh, if ever I would leave you old, <laughs> what, you know, Robert Goulet singing, right. you know, from Camelot. Um, and, uh, and I, and I woke up and it was, you know, there was a montage of, you know, fond memories uh, being played in the background, so or is it the music was in the background? Uh, so I immediately woke up and uh, in about an hour I realized he had put that dream together for me. Uh, and eventually I had to tell him to stop uh, sending me what I called heaven tunes uh, because they were just so emotionally uh, heart wrenching to have such you know high fidelity in the middle of the night when you're vulnerable and. Uh, uh, I, I didn't think it was serving me after. So this did not stop your grieving. You were still grieving, but... Uh... No, the, the interesting thing was uh, 
when he I first heard him say something, and this was like uh, almost 30 days after the accident, he said, uh, and this is 5 a.m., December 28th, 2007, he said, uh, what age would you have preferred that I died? Mm. And so first I realized, well, wow, that's nothing I would have ever said to myself. That's not nothing my brain would have said to me. Um, and, uh, uh, and of course, there's, there was no answer to it. It was a rhetorical question. But I was elated for 15 minutes. And then however much I was grieving at that moment, uh, by the time the sun came up, the grief had stepped up tenfold. Mm. So uh, if you can imagine grieving at, at full throttle and then someone lighting a, a, a turbo jet engine underneath you, you were, I was grieving even more. And that doesn't make, you know, make sense. You just, you know, heard from your son and blah, blah, blah. There's contact. You'd think you'd be, you know, relieved. There was no relief. It was actually worse. You know, that's interesting because people are wanting those dreams, wanting that. And and maybe for some people, you were a person who could handle it and a person who had thought about it before and that kind of thing. So maybe for some people, you know, they're just, you know, not open. Maybe that experience would not be the best thing in the world for them. Now, let me ask you, because we want to fast forward on, on wh- how you've written these books. So did you keep working with mediums on the books or did you do this on your own, just writing or tell I, us about I, that? I never stopped working with uh, Audrey's guides because they were actually, you know, and ended up being my tutors for, uh, uh, two, you know, the two years before the we actually started working on the book. Um, were you actually in physical? Were you with her or on no, the no, phone? No, no, no. I did this over the phone. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, when I started writing the book, uh, I would uh, call call Audrey up and read the chapters back to the guides and and uh, indirectly through Galen because they connected him to the circuit. And uh, he would tell me if I, you know, was writing it correctly or if there's something he wanted to change. Okay, so or, the guides would then tell you, through right. her, would tell you if you should this is change. What, this is what Galen is saying. Yeah, okay. And then you, and then I, uh, we were reading that you had written so much that you're like, Galen says, where's my book, right? And you'd written so much. How did you get it well, pulled down? To? <clears throat> so, you know, uh, when he said, how's the book coming along? And I went, uh, what book? What, you know, my journal's like, was that? probably about 2,000 pages at that point. And I says, I don't think anyone's ever going to read this. And if they do, it's going to require, you know, a Herculean editing. He says, oh, no, that's, not, that's your book. I don't care about your book. I'm talking about my book. Because that was his way of, I guess, ha-ha, introducing me to the concept that he wanted me to be writing his book. So what if I'm out there grieving and I, I really want some kind of a sign or connection from my child or my sibling? Is there anything that I could do to facilitate that? Well, usually those signs and connections are there. Okay. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the pathos is they're there at a point where we're least receptive to them. Uh, we're least open. And, and so it's very frustrating on both sides. Uh, and it is frustrating on the other side. And they give it their best shot uh, when they can. Um, uh, I think... Uh, my use of the bioidentical hormone oxytocin could be helpful to a lot of people. It gives emotional equanimity at a time when there is none, and it, it pulls people out of what I call pathological grief. 
So it doesn't mean you stop grieving, but it allows your brain to process in a healthy way through the grieving process. And I think that could assist a lot of people if it became more widely used. Now, where where would I... Oxytocin, for people who don't know, is a hormone, and it's for milk letdown for women is one of the things, isn't it, that, that happens? Right. It's the hugging hormone or something, right? right? It's, it's, the, it's the hormone that gets released when you hug. It's the hormone of friendship. It's... Uh, it doesn't make you, you know, trust anyone you wouldn't normally trust or love anyone you, you don't, uh, wouldn't normally fall in love with. But it, it relieves one of inappropriate anxiety, fear, panic, and obsessive negative thoughts. Um, it doesn't relieve one of, anx- of anxiety being caused by your adrenal glands, but it does relieve one of what I call true emotional anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if I'm interested in this, how do I get more information on it? Um, uh, people could go to my website, uh, griefsos.com. That's a, a good place to start. And uh, it's, it's, it's a prescription in the United States. Uh, I wouldn't trust any non-prescription sources of oxytocin in the United States. There are non-prescription sources in Europe that people can turn to if they can't find a physician willing uh, to prescribe it for them, and most aren't. But um, there's ways of getting it. Okay, so they can go to your site. Say that site again. Griefsos.com. Now, um, one of the things that I want to say about the book before we uh, close the show is that it's, it's a, well, I want to say it's a fun read. It's so interesting. If you want to hear Galen about his life, about the people he meets on the other side, he was very interested in Harry Potter and all those kinds of things, and he was also very interested in dogs. And and there's some wonderful, wonderful things there, and it's really fascinating. And I also like, at the end of it, um, okay, Paul puts uh, the editor, his comments on what Galen said, and and I must say, I, I am very impressed with your, I don't know what I want to say, esoteric, your your thoughts, the way you weave the world, the way you see the world. Um, I It's really quite wonderful. And, and I would suggest that people would want to pick up this book and, and suspend for a few minutes uh, credibility or whatever. If it's difficult for them, pick it up and just give it a try because it's it's, it's fascinating. And I just wanted to ask you one quick question, Ken. Was there anything that you found comforting about life after life? Well, I mean, conceptually, intellectually, it's extremely comforting. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to tell everybody, you know, it, because most people are not in direct, let alone indirect contact on a conscious level with loved ones, Um uh, don't feel that because you don't have that, that uh, you're being tortured with, you know, more grief than someone like myself. The grief is just always there. Uh, you, you don't, it's not something you, you know, ever walk away from. What would you say to someone that said, I don't know where my child is right now, and it's causing me a great amount of pain? Well, there are a lot of people uh, in that situation, regardless of whether someone has crossed over or not. Uh, you don't have to have lost a child uh, to death to not know where they are or not be able to communicate with them. So uh, you just uh, do the best you can in, in the situation you find yourself. 
Listen, uh, thank you. Actually, uh, K. Paul's written two books. The other one is Life Chapters, and this is an interesting one because um, it's a little different than the My Life After Life because it's the story of some of the people that Galen meets. Right. Galen wrote the book. I just edited it. Right. It's Galen's book with K. Paul's editing, and his editing is very, very interesting to read as well as Galen's words. And thank you and Galen for being on our show today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. And I find it very comforting to know that life goes on after this life and that Galen has had new experiences and new things that he's doing right now. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I did, we didn't mention that I thought was really interesting too, Ken, is that your perception, uh, Galen tells us that your perception of, of who will greet you after you die is very connected with your own belief systems and your and the energy uh, focus whatever tries to greet you with, with your own comfort zone. The people that you think will be there are the ones that will be there for you. I love it. I'm going to have a lot of people greeting me. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks so much for coming in today and for being on the show. And thank you all for listening, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.